Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. I remember being in the second grade, uh, actually have a lot of unique memories from that year of school, season of time, people that I knew. My teacher was Mrs. Beal. She's probably one of my all-time favorites. And uh, I can remember learning kind of during that season of time, the beginnings of how do you write a letter? Like, how do you communicate with somebody? And, and if you know every letter that, you, if you remember learning in school, it kind of has a format, right? You kind of start with an address up top and you put the date. Then you write who it's to, you know, dear whoever. And then the, the opening paragraph is kind of an introduction or a welcome or a greeting or however you want to say it. And then, then there's the body to the letter, what you're trying to write to people. And then the last paragraph is kind of a conclusion or, or you wish, wish people well. And then you have the, the closing phrase, yours truly, sincerely, however you want to write it. And then you sign your name at the end. Letters have a format. And we're going to see the same thing as we walk through these, these seven letters that are at the beginning of the book of Revelation. Because even in the ancient world, letters had a certain format. And you're going to see that, some similarities, some, some language that's used over and over again as we go through these letters. We're, we're going to start with the first one today. It's in Revelation chapter 2. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. We're going to look at the first seven verses. And remember, these letters are being written by a guy named John. He's being given the words to say from Jesus himself. And here's why I think they're so important to you and me today. Because John is in isolation. He is being um, imprisoned, if you will, on an island called Patmos. It's about 50 miles off the coast of Turkey in the Aegean Sea. He's there because he's a follower of Jesus Christ. And in that place, John, who's in isolation, receives messages from Jesus that John is to give to churches who are living in a time of crisis. That should get our attention because it so matches where we are right now. And so we're going to look at the first letter today, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what Jesus tells John to write to the church, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. The first letter goes to a church in Ephesus. Now, this is actually really significant that Ephesus is the first church that receives a letter. Here's the reason why. Ephesus was probably the closest city to Patmos. We can guess that there may be some people who went to visit John while he was in captivity on the Isle of Patmos. And if you left Patmos and you sailed back to the coast of Turkey, what you would find is you would get to Ephesus first. So the, the first church that's going to be on this route that the letters are going to go would be Ephesus. But it was also a place of great prominence in the Roman Empire at that time. Now, it wasn't a capital city and it wasn't the, the largest city. But maybe even more than those other cities, it had incredible influence. And it was a city of incredible spiritual presence as well. And, and not all good. It was the, the center of the cultic worship of, of the idol Artemis or Diana of the Ephesians. There was all kinds of false teaching that happened there in Ephesus. And it was also the home of one of the most significant churches in the New Testament. The book of Ephesians that we read in our scriptures was written by the Apostle Paul to that church. He spent more time there than any other church in his missionary journeys. 
And we also see how special this church was to him. He, he appointed Timothy to be the pastor there and then wrote letters to him about pastoring that church. Over and over again, we hear about the church in Ephesus and even more, and maybe, maybe so significant to this, is that when John was pulled away to go into exile on the Isle of Patmos for practicing his faith in Jesus and preaching the salvation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to others, John was doing it in Ephesus. This is his home. This is close to home for him. So when Jesus says, write a letter to the church in Ephesus, he's writing it to John's friends, those close to him. Maybe even a message for John himself. I'm sure that it's a message for you and for me. And what does Jesus say? Well, we'll take a look at this. He says that he is the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Now, that idea of holding those stars in the right hand has this idea of, of power and authority. And this is something that you and I need to hear today. This might be important. You, you might want to make a note of this or write this down somewhere, that Jesus is in control. Like, don't miss this. In this season, Jesus is in control. It might seem like there's so many other things in our world and in our lives right now that seem to be out of control. But put this on repeat in your life that Jesus is in control. I've had conversations just this last week with some friends who, who serve in the medical community and in the midst of this chaos that they're in. I'm, I'm supposing that you might wonder who has control here. I, I talked to a friend the other day. She's lost her job. She's trying to figure out what next steps she takes Another friend who's, who's wrestling with moments where there's kind of overwhelming fear that comes in. What steps do you take? The first thing that you have to remember is that Jesus is in control. Uh, I read a stat just yesterday from Pew Research that 33% of the people they surveyed have either um, someone in their household or they themselves that has lost a job or taken a pay cut because of what's happening with the coronavirus. See, there's so much in our world right now that feels like it's out of control. But even in the midst of that, it's good to know that Jesus is still in control. He has all power. He has all authority. And not only is he in control, but that passage of scripture says that he holds the, the, the seven stars and he is among the seven lampstands. What does that mean? It means that he's not off at a distance. He's not somewhere far where he doesn't know what's going on. It means that Jesus is with you. He is right there with you. He's not far away. He's not distant. He's not just kind of mailing it in. He is right there among you and he's with you. Jesus is in control and Jesus is with you. And, and normally I wouldn't encourage you to do this. You know, normally when you read a letter, you start at the beginning and then you kind of read it all the way through. What I want to do with this letter that John wrote for Jesus to the church in Ephesus is skip to the end. Because before we get to the body of the letter, I think it's good for us to recognize how this letter is going to end. So Jesus says at the beginning that he is in control. Jesus says that he is with them. And then he concludes the letter. This is how it ends in verse 7. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. Jesus says... Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, uh, hang on to that because we'll come back to that in just a moment. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Th this is something that we're going to see over and over again in the book of Revelation. It is a consistent 
theme, this idea to the one who is victorious. If you have to be victorious, then what that means is that somewhere you're facing some kind of conflict or challenge or battle. There's something that you need to find victory over. And so the understanding here in the book of Revelation is not that everything is easy and not that everything goes smoothly, but there will be a challenge. There will be things that we have to face. And I know this might not always be pleasant news, but let me encourage you with this. It may get worse before it gets better. Something that's important for us to hear. It may get worse before it gets better. You know, when we think of the book of Revelation, we, we often think of sci-fi or, or fantasy, or we think of this action-adventure stuff because there's so much there that's picturesque and that's, that's honestly kind of tricky for us to understand. But you've got to remember the book of Revelation originally wasn't written just to us. It was written to believers in the first century. And the message that they were receiving from Jesus through the apostle John was that we know that things are tough right now. And things may get worse before it gets better. And there's so many things in life like that. Like I remember when I was learning how to ride a bike. And the reality was that when the training wheels came off, I crashed quite a few times before I finally was able to just kind of go sailing on two wheels. Why? Because sometimes things get worse before they get better. Anybody have braces? Do you remember braces? My teeth were messed up. And before they could be straightened out, there was some challenge, there was some work, there was some pressure, there was even some pain. It had to get worse before it got better. School can be like that. Surgery can be like that. There's a lot of things in our lives, and it's important for us to know, and especially in the midst of a pandemic. Like this is what we're hearing from, from those in leadership, those in the medical community. Where we're at right now at this point it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And in the midst of that, we need to remember the, the story of the book of Revelation. Last night I had a conversation for the first time with a friend that I know that I personally could communicate with who had the test and tested positive for COVID-19. And one of the things she said to me was, we're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. And see, that's the message of the book of Revelation. It may get worse before it gets better, but here's what I want you to hear if you don't hear anything else today. You are going to make it. Look, you're going to make it. We don't know what's ahead. We don't know what's on the other side of all this, but I can just tell you, and this is what Jesus is saying to this church in Ephesus, you are going to make it. He says that on the other side of this, you will be victorious. There will be life. There are promises for you. We get frustrated and disappointed sometimes because we want everything to work out right now. We, we see things that aren't right and we're like, well, that's not fair. Or that's not right. But we were never promised that things would be right and fair. We were told that we live in a world that is broken, that is in need of Jesus. And until we get to heaven, we'll wrestle with these things. Look, our hope is not in living a perfect life today, but in the eternal life of our future. Our hope is not in living a perfect life today, but it's in the eternal life of our future. And so we look forward to that. We recognize that. Hear the message of the book of Revelation. It's that Jesus is in control, that Jesus is right there with you. And even though things might get worse before they get better, what Jesus tells John to say to the church in Ephesus, you're going to make it.
you're going to be victorious. And so let's go back to the body of the letter then. Now that we know kind of the beginning and the end, let's look at what he says. And Jesus talks to the church and he wants them to know that there's some things that he's proud of them for. There's things he wants to affirm and acknowledge. Hey, you're doing a good job here. Here's what he says. Revelation chapter two, verse, verse two and three. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You've persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Look, there's some things in that passage of scripture that the Ephesians did that would be great for us to learn from, especially in this season. But like one of the things that Jesus says to them that we need to remember to, to, to do as well is to do the right things. In this season of time, what does Jesus say to them? He says, I see your deeds. I know your hard work. I recognize those things. And he affirms them and he challenges us. We want to do the right things. We want to do the right things. And, and like in this season, what does that look like? Well, it's things like, you know what? We need to wash our hands and we need to practice social distancing. And we need to be wise about how we interact with each other and not take risks that are unwise. And I know this is an unprecedented time that we live in. But folks, it's a serious time. And the more I learn, the more that I hear for those that you love and that you care for, it's important that you do the right things. And not only that you do the right things, but also that you believe the true things. That you believe the true things. Jesus affirms the church in Ephesus because they're not believing in the false prophets. They're holding on to the truths in Scripture. And this was really important. Because the things that Paul said to the church, back in Acts chapter 19, he said to them, look out because there's false teachers that will come your way. He said to Timothy, the pastor of that church, Timothy, help to guard these people from truths that, that will want to come their way but are false truths. They're not real. And John would face these very same things because we see him write about it in his letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. This was a constant challenge in this church. And Jesus says, I affirm you because you do the right things. You believe the true things. And then he says this to them. And some of you, you, you need to hear this challenge today. Endure the hard things. In this moment of time, it's important that we endure the hard things. Look, this letter in, in, in Revelation chapter 2 to the church in Ephesus, it's, it's a word of encouragement. It's a call to perseverance. And for some of us, that's really important right now because maybe you're living through a hard season and it's time for you to endure the hard things. Fear may be hard right now. Your job might be chaos right now. You may have loneliness that's hitting you in a hard way. Or maybe your lack of employment is an overwhelming concern. It might be your finances. It might be your family. It might be your health. This is a difficult time. And I want to challenge you. Endure during this season of time. You persevere. You hold on to this. What does Jesus say? He says, church in Ephesus, I want to affirm you. Because you do the right things. You believe the true things. You endure the hard things. But this is where I don't want you to miss this. Because this is where Jesus is going to hone in on this church, right? Here's what can happen. And especially in a season of crisis like this. We can be so focused on, on the crisis that's going on around us. 
the things that can create fear and uncertainty and anxiety, we can be so focused on those things right now that we miss the things that truly matter. You can work so hard for what is in front of you that you lose sight of what truly matters to you. You can work so hard for what is in front of you that you lose sight of what truly matters to you. Uh, For some of you, especially if you're working from home right now, your work can be so overwhelming that working from home can be so focused on work that it robs you of home. For others of you, maybe maybe you're homeschooling all of a sudden or your, your world's been turned upside down in some ways. That, that chaos or that uncertainty can be overwhelming in this period of time. Taking in too much news can be suffocating. The sound of loneliness can be deafening. Fear can keep knocking on our door. And here's what's dangerous in this season. We can focus on doing the right things and believing the true things and enduring the hard things. We can be so wrapped up in this season that as a result of doing things that really actually are the right things to do, we can miss out on the most important things to do. And this is the call that Jesus is giving to the church in Ephesus. I'll be honest. I kind of got to wonder if he's not saying it to John. Like this is his home church. His ears are perked up in this place. He's got to think about how does this apply to me? Because after Jesus affirms them, watch what he says next. Revelation chapter 2 verse 4. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Jesus says you do the right things and you believe the true things and you endure the hard things. But he says, don't miss the first thing. Like my challenge to you in this season, don't miss the first things, the most important things, the things that truly matter, the things that make a difference. See, in the midst of doing, believing, and enduring, it can be easy for us to stop loving. He says, don't forsake the love you had at first. Folks, let me encourage you. Do not miss the first things. Do you remember the the love if you're married that you had for your spouse at first? Or maybe that, that feeling if you're a parent when you held your child for the first time? Maybe that excitement when when you went that first day on the job or the jitters from the first day at school or maybe even the stirring you had when you first entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ and you realized that you were forgiven and that he'd given you life. Those are those moments of first things that come in our lives. And what happens is though over time we lose it. We get tired, we get familiar, we get frustrated, we get disappointed or bored or distracted. And in the midst of that, we get so focused on the busy things around us that we miss what should be the first things around us. We lose that first love. Our identity gets confused with our jobs and and we start to think that who we are is actually what we do. We, We allow our relationships to become accomplishments. Instead of recognizing that our family, our friends, our church, these are living things that have to be nurtured in our lives. We can be in a place where our priorities are so out of whack that we're focused on what's in front of us and we miss what truly matters. And it usually isn't until we lose something that we realize the value that's in it. 
There's nothing like a season of crisis to cause us to consider what really matters in our lives. There is no time like a crisis to challenge your priorities. About 15 years ago, our, our family was heading home one night and we were at an intersection and we we're just about to make a left turn. And as we did, there was kind of a hill behind us and this car came up over the hill, was not paying attention, did not see that we were stopped and literally just slammed right into the back of us. When they did, they, they spun us out into the middle of the intersection. Fortunately, we were able to kind of just get right through. God's hand of protection was clearly on us. We got right through before the car we were actually waiting for came through. It threw us out of, of the intersection and over into the other side. There was an embankment there and our van actually kind of started to go down, just barely stopped from rolling down that embankment. And so thankful for God's protection and provision. But I can tell you that in that moment, as, as that accident happened, my first thought was not, huh, I wonder what shape our van is in. My first thought was not, huh, I wonder if we tore up the grass out here. My first thought was not, I wonder what people are going to think about me. My first thought was my family, Rhonda, the kids, are they okay? My first thought was what, what relationship am I in with the people around me right now? Because there is no time like a crisis to challenge and clarify our priorities. Look, folks, we're in the midst of what, what's being called a pandemic right now. We are in the midst of a crisis. And my encouragement to you, what are your priorities right now? Have you put the first things first in your life? Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, here's, here's the thing we got to talk about, he says. You, you've kind of missed the first things. Here's what scripture tells us, that if your priorities are right, your heart will be right. If your priorities are right, then your heart will be right. What Jesus say? He says, seek first the kingdom of God. The book of Proverbs chapter 4 says, above all else, guard your heart. The Bible says that Jesus said that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The reality is we need to make sure that our priorities are right, and then every other part of our lives will be right. So my question for you is, how does a pandemic affect your priorities? How does this pandemic affect who you are and the priorities in your life? He mentions here that it starts with going back to the first things, loving the way that you did at first and keeping that in your heart. You say, well, how, how do I do that? Well, maybe it starts by loving your neighbor, reaching out and literally showing them some love in this season of time. And what's that look like? Well, well it's different from what it looks like in other seasons of time. You, you know, we talk a lot as a church about loving the 419. Well, we can't love the 419 today in the same way that we have in the past. This isn't like Serve Week where we all put on red t-shirts and go out into the community in force and, and do things on, on a scale for our community. No, this is different because of social distancing and, and being wise about, about the health and the virus. No, what it looks like right now to love your neighbor is to literally love your neighbor, to keep tabs on those around you, to, to maybe deliver groceries to, to someone in need, to, to call an elderly person and check in on them. Maybe it's even just to talk. It's checking in on those around you. It's sending a text and a prayer to the person that God puts on your heart or brings to your mind. And you might go, well, those things really aren't me. That's kind of a little outside of my comfort zone to do those kinds of things. But literally, God is stretching us in this season, and I would challenge you to treat others the way you would want to be treated during this season of time. 
Look, we are being challenged to, to love, to make our priorities the first things. So how about our families? This is a season to make memories. I've got a friend that's going to memorize scripture with his family because he knows it'll make a difference in his life and theirs as well. You can reignite some of the joy in your relationships during this season. Eliminate some distractions. And can I ask you this question? Is Jesus the first thing in your life? Because ultimately that's what it comes down to. What Jesus says to the church in Ephesus and what he says to John he says, you've done and you've believed and you've endured in all the right ways, but you've missed out on the first thing. The New King James Version of Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. The challenge is, is Jesus the first thing in your life? Have you given him that place and that priority? Have you put your full trust and confidence in Him? You know, what I've heard quite a few people say in this season is, I, I just can't wait until things get back to normal. And look, I, I agree. There's so many things that are so weird. I, I miss the opportunity to be with you and to worship together on Sundays. There's things that we're just not doing in this season of time. I miss my coworkers. I miss, I miss interaction. I, 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 I would like to be back in a place where we're not driven by so much concern and fear and all those things for sure. But I don't know that we're supposed to go back to normal. You know, so many times when God does things like this, whether it be in history or, or in the Bible, when times of crisis happen, it's often for us to get ourselves off normal and, and maybe get to a new normal, to reevaluate our relationships with others and especially our relationship with God and to come back around and say, God, what do you want to do in my life? If the only thing that happens through this season, this COVID-19 time, if the only thing that happens as a result is I just get back to normal, then maybe I've missed out on the new normal and what God wants to do. We are supposed to be changed. And so this is what Jesus says. He says, look, church in Ephesus, I'm proud of what you've done and I'm proud of who you are, but there's more to it for you, he says. There's more to it. He says, because you've left your first love. So instead, here's what he says. Look at verse 5 of Revelation 2. He says, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Can I share with you three steps for keeping first things First, we see them in this verse in Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. And Jesus walks us through three steps for keeping first things first. What he says, number one, is that you reflect. He says, consider how far you've fallen. So you need to take some time to reflect and say, is Jesus the priority in my life? Have I made first things first? Have I been busy doing or believing or enduring to the point that I've missed the first and most important things in my life? And then after that, number one, after you reflect, number two, it's a time for you to repent and say, God, would you forgive me for those things? To ask for God to not just forgive you, but help you to change in this season and become the person that he wants you to be, even in this season of uncertainty, which leads us then to number three, you, you reflect, you repent, and the number three, you repeat. You go back to those things. Go back to those things in the past that you go back to your first love. And this is critically important 
Because the things you prioritize in this season will determine the value of this season. Look, I don't, I don't want to waste this season of time. I don't want to miss out on what God wants to do right now. So the things that you prioritize in this season, they will determine the value of this season. So Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, and I'm pretty sure he's saying it to you today. Look, don't forget that he's in control and that he's right there with you. And you keep doing the right things and you keep believing the true things and you keep enduring through hard things. But don't miss the first thing. Don't miss the priorities that should be in your life. Don't miss that Jesus should be first over all. I can't help but think that this wasn't just a message for the church in Ephesus. But maybe it was something that John needed to hear as well from that place of isolation and exile, that John needed to hear just a reminder to make Jesus the first thing in his life. He, he learned that lesson probably a lot of times before, because if you remember, John wasn't just the author of Revelation. He was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. When you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and even the Gospel of John, which John wrote, he knew the stories of Jesus. So his mind would probably frequently go back to relive those moments and those memories. One of those that came to my mind as I was, was reading and preparing this message and thinking about, how do I make this helpful for you and for me? was something that came to mind maybe because it, it, it woke me up, not just on Friday night, but Saturday night as well. If you live here in Northwest Ohio, then, then you know that over the last two nights, kind of in the middle of the night, we've had some storms that have come through. Lots of thunder, lightning. They, they've, they've caused me to wake up the last two nights, and not just me, also our dog, Samson. Samson is not a fan of storms. They always just kind of make him very uneasy, jittery, kind of, kind of weird him out. And I'm going to be honest with you, they, they do me too. I, I find myself in these times kind of being very uneasy. When I, when I was like in the fourth grade, I, I was through a, a near miss of a tornado. And I think it just still stirs up certain things in my life. You, you've got those places, those fear-inducing places in your life. And let's be really honest, right now, March 2020, we find ourselves in a storm, a, a medical storm, a national storm, a, a cultural storm, for some of us, a personal storm. So what do we do in these different times? Well, I happen to think of a, of a story. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of those gospels, but we're going to read it from the gospel of Mark chapter four. It says that on that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took Jesus along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. Now, this is really interesting because it says that Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. He's on the Sea of Galilee. He's probably in, the, in kind of the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. And he wants to go over to the east side. It's kind of like saying, let's go to the other side of the tracks. Because it wasn't the area that was so familiar. This side was more Gentile. It was more pagan. And in that moment, he's, he's taking them somewhere unfamiliar, unknown, uncertain. Sounds a little bit like today, doesn't it? Verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Some of you can relate to that because you feel like a squall's come up in your life, that your life's being beat by the waves so that it's to a point where you're, you're feeling nearly swamped right now, swamped by news, 
swamped by details, swamped by press conferences, swamped by fear and uncertainty right now. You ever felt that way? <laughs> and then this happens, verse 38. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, it was probably right for them to come to Jesus, but that wasn't a good attitude. Like, like their approach to him, their, their kind of sarcasm of him. The, the, that moment, they were overwhelmed. You know what they were overwhelmed by? Everything that was around them. Because they were trying to do the right things. They were trying to endure in that moment, but they were missing the fact that Jesus was actually right there with them. They didn't have to come with fear. They didn't have to come with, with almost a, a bitter tone. Watch what happens next, verse 39. Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. You know, I, I don't know everything that's going on in your life, physically, emotionally, spiritually in this time. And, and I don't know that I have every answer for you. I do know this, though, that if in this moment you'll look to Jesus in the same way that he did 2,000 years ago, he can speak into your life and say, quiet, be still, and allow a peace and a calm to come to your heart that you won't be able to find in any other way because he's the one who's in control. He's the one who's right there with you. And even though things may have a tendency sometimes to get worse before they get better, if you'll look to him, look, you're going to make it. Here's what Jesus says next, verse 40. Jesus said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So I don't think Jesus was upset with them for waking him up. I think he was saying to them, Guys, I, I thought by now you'd figure it out. I've been with you this whole time. Don't you know you don't have to come to me so wrapped up with fear and uncertainty, but that you can look to me because I'm the one who holds the keys. I'm the one who has the power. I'm the one who's right there with you. You can trust me in the middle of this. Look, friends, let me encourage you today. Don't give up. Don't, don't quit in the middle of your quarantine. Don't limit God in the midst of your lockdown. You trust him right now. You are going to make it if you put your trust and your confidence in him. Do not let everything else that's around you keep you from the first thing. And the first thing is this. There's the priority of our family. There's the priority of our relationship. There's all those things that this season causes us to reevaluate. But at the end of the day, my question is, is Jesus the first thing in your life? In just a moment, we're, we're going to pray together and have just kind of a special time of prayer. Before then, our worship team is going to lead us in a song that says, Jesus, we love you. And as we sing this song, would you take a moment and put your trust and confidence in him? Maybe you need to reflect and, and repent in your own life and say, Jesus, I, I've forsaken in some ways that first love in my life. And today, I need to put my confidence truly, my trust completely. I need to give my life to you. As we sing this song, would you make it your prayer? Things have passed. 